and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines with myself, Gary Middleton. Uh, special guest today, uh, Peter Augustine, uh, FA coach developer. Pete, great to have you on. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our little chat. Good, good, good. Pete, we're going to talk about the physical demands of the game today. Uh, just before we get started, um, as I say, many thanks for for giving up that time of day to come on from the sidelines. Can you just explain to everyone listening in uh, your current roles within football? Yeah, um, I'm currently working uh, at the FA as a coach development officer um, for London and the southeast of England. Um, and my specialist special theory is diversity and inclusion. So um, making sure that the ga- game is kind of free of those barriers that are traditionally held up there for, for coaches from diverse communities um, and trying to bring people together as opposed to keeping them apart. So it's a, it's a really wide ranging role. Um, uh, I work across uh, many different counties, um, work across sometimes across pieces around disability. Um, and we kind of are, we have three teams, women and girls, uh, PE um, and diversity inclusion. And, and we kind of merge together at times and you know, we work with the wider co- coaching community as well, working with uh, diff- different kind of groups in a, in the southeast of England. So it's a it's a very interesting and varied role. And very rewarding, I would imagine, Pete. Yes, very rewarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And how's things going down in the uh, down in the, the south? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's very very busy. <laughs> yeah, it's um, always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, um, uh, London is 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 a real melting pot. So you know you you know you're in the uh, it's it's not a massive area in t- times of in terms of um, uh, uh, width and breadth and so on and so forth. But it's it, it's 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 a nightmare to get across. Yeah. So um, you can you can uh, a ten mile journey. You know you'd think somewhere else would like, that's going to take me like ten fifteen minutes. In London, it can take you about about an hour, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peter, um, I used to I used to live in Barking for for a couple of years when I was at Millwall as a oh, scholar right. down there. So I love I love uh, I love London. Uh, it was a great place to sort of uh, spend a couple of years of my my scholarship down there. And uh, yeah, Millwall was a was a great venue the old day. <laughs> Um, people get started Um, we're chatting around the physical demands of the game today we hear lots of coaches saying that their philosophy is about having a pressing team and a one and a team that wants to press quickly and win the ball back but with that in mind how do we prepare the players physically for these demands Um, for me we have to start kind of early um you know because the game's changing and as the game's changing um and we're looking at uh, the the idea of high pressing and pressing with energy and um and 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 players multiple players pressing the ball i think we've got to prepare the, the players for that at those earlier ages so i think things around injury prevention are really really important um Things like uh, mobility, um, uh, running patterns, that sort of stuff, um, uh, and working with other uh, other other, if you like, professionals. So SNC coaches. Um, um, uh, I, I, I'd say I was going to say doctors, but that's probably a bit too far. But 
but you know anybody who knows about the body now we're as we as coaches we are experts in 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 the football side and technical side we're not experts about uh the body how it grows and that sort of stuff and what we should be doing we should be finding out more about that and then working with other people who actually know about that stuff and from a young age so we don't get kids just running around pitches um and doing sprints for no reason um and going on long cross-country runs you know if you're a cross-country runner well that's great practice for you but if yeah. you're a footballer that's not so great for you so i think we've got to start to think about well if we're uh if we're going to start to build those players who can high press and 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 can do multiple sprints we've got to prepare their bodies for that um and if we don't do that you know we, we we've we've seen over the years you know some of the famous players who've broken down at a young age. I remember Steven Gerrard used to have a lot of problems, didn't he? A lot of injuries, yeah. Michael Owen, you know, and I don't know, I wasn't in the, in their club. So, but, you know, that, that could be because of we haven't prepared them properly. And mm. if we prepare them properly from an early age, then we've got half a chance of getting them to the game and staying in the game a bit longer without being in, uh, being injured. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and yeah, I just think that that's, that's a really important part for me. Mm. You, you mentioned their own their own movement patterns. Um, I was speaking to someone uh, very recently around a, a club in London that has actual they employ movement coaches now. Mm-hmm. And 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 from a coach's point of view around the game of football, we are ex- experts in coaching the game. Mm. But is this something that you can see happening within more clubs? where they're actually bringing in these movement coaches to improve players' movement from an early age? Yeah, I think um, from from an anecdotal point of view, from what people have uh, spoken to me about, it's something that um, a lot of clubs are starting to look at now. They're starting to look at, you know, um, the idea of, of how you run, your running mechanics, you know, basically how you fall over and pick yourself up those things that they happen at an early age so you know many many years ago kids would go out and they'd climb trees and 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 that sort of stuff and they'd fall over they'd hurt themselves but they very quickly learned how not to hurt themselves how not to fall over yeah. and those skills are kind of missing now because you know uh, um our uh, our school system doesn't really cater that much for for um for, for lots of pe and 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 those things where you're falling over and that sort of thing. it's very it's very structured um but that unstructured play is really really important for kids especially at an early age um and i think that um the, the idea of 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 movement specialists in clubs is a good idea because you know it, it, you know you know i'm not saying that you've got to correct a child's running style but i'm saying that understanding the mechanics of that running style is really really important yeah. As coaches, sometimes we we can't see that. We see the effectiveness or the non-effectiveness of that, you know, during the game, don't we? Um, so yeah, I think I, I think that, that that's something I think that will become more and more um, uh, a, a, a part of a, of, a, of a child's development in football clubs as as we go on over the years. Yeah, yeah. Pete, what 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 are these demands on the players in the modern day game? Well, well, the demands are, are, are things like uh, multiple sprints. So yeah. you're now talking about this idea of 
you know, I've got to close down the first ball, then I might have to go and close the second ball and possibly mm. the third one. But whilst I'm doing that, I'm also having to communicate with my with my teammates. Come on, I'm going in. Yeah, yeah, who's coming in with me? So you do. So imagine that you're sprinting and you're having to talk at the same time. Now that might sound like quite simplistic, but that t- that's a huge toll on the body. And then you then have to do it multiple times in the game. Then you're just t- talking about impact that that, that, that the body's going to take as well. So from challenges, that sort of stuff. Now I know people t- talk about this idea of um, oh, tackling's gone out of the game. Well, tackling hasn't gone out of the game. It just looks different. You know, so we're asking players now to go and win the ball, but then also keep possession yeah. as well at the same time. Now, that's 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 quite tough, isn't it? If you think about it, Gary, that, you know, I'm going to win the tackle. I'm going to have to use my timing. I'm going to have to get there quickly. I'm going to have to adjust my feet to make sure that the player can't just whiz around me. And then I've got to think about I'm going to steal it and then we're going to go forward. And then I've got to go again for another sprint to... Uh, help support the ball that I've played forward. So, it, the, you know, that, that ability to uh, sprint and then recover, that's a big thing. I mean, that's a big, that's, mm. a, a, that's a massive part of the game now. Mm. Yeah, because I think going back a few years, there was probably a lot more winning of the ball mm. from players possibly on that backside. Yeah. When now we're, we're coaching players to actually intercept come mm. out with the ball aren't we? which yeah. is a which is a different skill uh, mm. and intensity in itself uh pete mm. um how, how would you how would we prepare the players for this intensity um and the demands of the players will vary pete in the different positions that the player mm. yes now that's the thing is and now i can i can um i can give you an example um of, of this um um, one of the clubs I worked at and what we did we employed a, a strength and conditioning coach um, as one of our coaches so instead of having another football coach we employed a, a strength and conditioning coach and the, the, the job of the strength and conditioning coach was to look at the players and to see where they could possibly get injured what were the what were the signs and the symptoms then what we would do we would pre- prepare the players in batches if you like midfielders forwards uh, and defenders and also the goalkeepers as well so what we would do we would ensure that they were doing exercises that benefited them and some of those exercises weren't necessarily sprinting or, or, or stuff like that it would be around um, sort of like a, a running and movement mechanics um, mobility that kind of stuff so that they were able to turn quickly and sprint quickly after 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 say for example the ball's gone over their head um, to be a reaction training, that sort of stuff. Those are the things that we did. Um, and so and what we also did was we, we did a lot of, um, what, so, what, so what, after they'd left the strength and conditioning coach, they'd come over to me. And then what we would do, we'd do lots of games uh, in, in small areas where we moved the ball very quickly. Um, and the players had to be able to, you know, uh, kind of take a hit if you like. So they, they, you knew they were going to be in, in combat all the time. Bang, 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 bang. So, we, but we do that for a short period of time, and then the players would be um, uh, um, uh, uh, mobilised again afterwards at the end of the session. So that was our our, our way of, um, of preparing the players for the demands of the game and the type of game that we played. And yeah. it was a very high pressing, uh, lots of movement, um, a lot of lap- we did a lot of stuff around lateral movement as well. 
because the, that was part of our game. But the strength and conditioning coach was vital in that. And from a from a, and what I meant um, and the, the vitality of that of of, of that um, strength and conditioning coach was that he worked with me uh, and the rest of the coaching team. We didn't. He didn't work, and then we all went off and had a cup of uh, had a cup of coffee. We had to watch and see what he was doing, yeah, and see what how that impacted the players, and we saw massive improvements in players uh, and player potential from that. Mm. Um, and it's something that I carried on after I left that club, and when I worked in other clubs, I brought him with me mm-hmm. to do the same thing again, and it worked mm-hmm. really, really well. Every every club that we went to. We found that we were we were getting performance uh, improvements um, time and time again, and so we knew it wasn't an accident. We knew it was something that yeah. was that was um, that was really really important. Pete, mm. when you, when we speak about players uh, and the demands in different positions uh, on the pitch in the development phases of the game, should we be challenging our players more often to play in a variety of positions? So that different stresses the players will come up against support their individual development moving forward as a bigger picture. Yeah, I I think so, Gary. I think that's really important because when you listen to some of the players who are at the top of the game at the moment, you'll often hear that they started in one position and ended up in their careers in another position. And that learning that they do in those different positions really helps them. So there was some uh, work done around Kylian Mbappe and about how much he scans. When well, it worked out that he scanned more than a midfield player. So at some stage, he would have probably in his career been played in that middle part of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kept that skill, um, so, which is really, if, if you think about it, for somebody like him, who's very, very quick, you know, he has to know who's coming behind him and who might be making a tackle, who might, you know, how he avoids that tackle, how he gets into space, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think there there is this this seems to be a real uh, penchant for players who as, at youth level played in central midfield but now play as a centre back because we want to play out from the back you yeah. know uh, wing backs who were who were formerly forwards you know Bakaya Saka at, at Arsenal is, is is a great example of that mm. uh, even when he started in the Arsenal first team he started as a, as a centre forward and then he's converted into a wing back so. I yeah. think that ability to to play in multiple positions, multiple positions, I think is is massive. It's huge, mm-hmm. I think, for players' development um, because you know, it, you, you know, if you think about the the maneuverability of teams now and how they uh, how they move around that player might, who might be a fullback, but that, like Manchester City, he's now playing central midfield for maybe ten or fifteen minutes during the game. Yeah, you know, yeah, and and having that awareness is really important, isn't it? Absolutely, Pete. Absolutely. So what would you say, how do we develop more robust individuals, Pete, uh, that, that can deal with the, the intensity of the modern game? I think that's, that's from our, um, our training practices. Yeah. You know, um, are, you know are, 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 are our practices realistic? You know, yeah. you know, the three R's, are they realistic? Are they relevant? Um, um, are they repeatable? Yeah. So those things are really, really important, I think. I think if we if we um, if we don't test our players, you know, with different um, uh, finding different challenges to them in our training sessions, I think we're going to develop a, a one size fits all player. But it's stressing the players and, and, and accepting that 
they're going to have failure during their sessions. That's fine. Yeah. Because in the game, they're going to get failure. So how do they deal with the failure during the game if they've not, never experienced it mm. during training? Mm. And I think that's really the important thing. If we, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to go, OK, yeah, in the first part of the session, you're not going to do very well. But let's see how you develop as you go through the session. And by the end of the session, you should start to be seeing some success. I think that's really, really, really important. Yeah, and, and Pete, is, is this something that develops at a young age, playing in varying environments and, and looking at, you know, challenging your players to play possibly different formats, um, different size pitches, different challenges to actually get what you've just mentioned out there, that possible failure at something, but then that understanding moving forward? Yeah. Yes. I think that's that that's that's that, again. That's an any, any any change in environment for a player. I think will bring out different um, different challenges for the player. So, yeah. say for example, we play with smaller numbers on a bigger pitch. You know, there's a lot of thought process going into that because if you start to think, well, actually, there's four. It's a four v four. We're on a slightly bigger pitch. When the ball goes forward, am I going to go forward or am I going to stay here? You know, can I trust my player to carry the ball so that I can get up and support that player? Can I, are we going to keep the ball a bit more and pass it and tire them out? You know, those kind of things, you know, those are those, those, those bits of learning that happen because you've given the child and the players um, those different environments to play in. So, you know, we have to take away fear from ourselves as coaches and also fear from the players that they are not going to get success mm-hmm. and ask them the question. OK, so that didn't work so well. What are you going to do now? How are you going to deal with this? Um, and this thing, you know, when we talk about uh, in, a, in a practice, say, for example, where we have uh, some of the stronger players and we what we, we might deem as some of the uh, lesser able players. But we say, OK, we're going to make the, 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 um, the game uh, fair by having some of the, be- the players on one team and some of them on the other team. What about if we went all the better players are going to play on that team and all the weaker players are going to play, play on that team? And then we give those players so-called weaker players, we give them a challenge. Right. What do you notice about them? What's good about them? What are the things that you can do? How do you think you can stop them? How do you think you can be successful against them? So now we start to develop the thinking player, the player who knows actually that player is better than me. How do I stop them? So they have to think in a different way. Then we start to see there's an improvement in those players. But that won't happen unless we we um, um, uh, we, we put them in that situation. Yeah. Now, some people would say, but it's no challenge for the better players. Well, it becomes a challenge when those other players who are so-called weaker start to think about their game and give them a problem that they can't solve. And I think it's being clever with that is a way of us making our players better and using the different skill sets that the players may have to help them to develop. Um, and those are challenges in themselves, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you probably answered a little bit of that on my next question, just as you said. What... Uh, the question was going to be what might this look like in grassroots football you know for the coaches listening in that are working within grassroots um 
And there's one example of it that you've just said there. Mm. Any others? Yeah, I think um, it's it's in the planning phase, Gary. When we're planning a session, the thought around the session is what do I want to achieve from this session? What are, I mean, somebody said to me the other day when I was at a, an event, they said, what three things did you want out of your session? And I went, oh, right, OK. And then I had to think about it. Now, if I'd really thought about it before I, I, I did the session, what I could have done is I could have gone, right, OK, I'm going to look at that, that and that and really be specific. So a little bit more depth and a little less breadth yeah. to really see how we can start to understand the players and what what it is we're going to give them at the end of the at the end of the, the the practice and i think that planning piece is really important so that's not writing it down on a piece of paper and saying i'm going to do this and it's going to be that and that and that arrow is going to go there and we're going to, but really what are, you know who are the players in our in our team what are their individual capabilities what are the things i want them to be better at and having that as an idea in your session plan now, your session plan doesn't have to have all the different drawings and everything else, but you should have all of the things that you want to get out of the individual players. And I think that piece around planning at the start of your session is, is really important. Mm. Um, and it's difficult at grassroots because we don't have the time, do we? Because we've got jobs and stuff. But um, I remember I used to work in a factory and during the times when I was um, when, when we when the, when the machines were going and we had these big pieces of cardboard. Um, that used to cover the, the, the cardboard that we used to put onto the machine. I used to take the waste cardboard and I used to write out session plans on them. You know, and uh, some of the my other workers would uh, would want the cardboard to do something. I'm like, for Peter, for Pete's sake, will you stop writing on these bits of cardboard? I want to take this over <laughs> to do whatever it is. <laughs> but, but you find those moments, don't you? That, yeah. to, 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 um, and I think that's really important. Find the moments to really plan your session. To give your 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 players the best chance of of um of, of getting success in the long term. Yeah, the the, the modern game um seeing more and more teams wanting players that are prepared to run forward quickly when we've won, won the ball back. But when that turnover possession happens, have that mentality that they want to run back quickly as well mm-hmm. and have that philosophy within the club. Mm-hmm. Um, as coaches, what should we be designing um, to support our individuals so that that running forwards with the ball and when we haven't got it running back is more enjoyable? Because it's always, isn't it, it's hard work running. Yeah. But the modern game is fast and yeah. robust um so the question is how do we how do we make that a more enjoyable team mm. to develop our players good question I, that one yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, is that you gary right those those, those, those. <laughs> you, I'll, I'll get him on this one <laughs> Um, I think it's about language, you know, Gary. Yeah. I really think it's about language. So if you if you start framing the running, and this goes back to your your physical preparation is, um, and we we frame it at the clubs that I I, I coach at is 
when we lose it, we want to score. So how can we make sure that they have the ball less time than us? So we need to get it back so that we can score because we want to score, don't we? So I talk about this idea of we defend to attack. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're going to do. We're, we're only defending because we want the ball back so we can score. Right. That's so if we don't defend, if we don't defend properly, we're not going to attack. They're going to keep attacking us. Do, is that what we want? Do we want them to keep attacking us or do we want to attack them? Players always say, well, we want to attack them. I say, OK, so we have to. How are we going to get it back? And sometimes I let the players decide how they're going to do that, mm-hmm. how they're going to get the ball back. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden we start to have this idea of, right, it's really enjoyable to get the ball back off of the opposition. You know, um, you know, practices where, you know, you get extra point for getting the ball back in less than X, X amount of seconds or in a certain area of the of the pitch that you may have marked out. Um, uh, knowing knowing when to when to attack and when not to well, when I say not we not when to attack but knowing when to go and chase the ball and not chase the ball if you see what I mean so it might be that whilst we're whilst we're um, we're we're trying to get the ball back off of the opposition we might have a little bit a little bit of a rest um, I once framed it in a in a in a session like uh, uh, and I called it stealing a rest so we know we want to get the ball back. So what we're going to do, we're going to just drop off of them a little bit, have a little bit of a rest, make sure they can't play in behind us. And then once we've got our rest, bang, let's go and get the ball. Let's go and get it. So, um, I, you know, again, it's a language. Let's let's steal a yeah. rest for a little bit now. Let's mm. steal it. Let's just make sure that if they if they want to keep it for a little bit, let them have it. You know, they can enjoy the ball for a little bit. But when we decide that we want it back, we're going to get it. So we're, we, you know, uh, uh, phrases like, we're going to dominate the ball in and out of possession. Yeah. So we're going to make it. You've got it, but we know when we want to get it, we'll we'll get it off you. We'll yeah. get it off you because we we're allowing you to have it now. You know. So so it's, I think a lot of that is around our language that we use when we're talking to our players, and and if we can keep you know defending as a positive and as opposed to a negative, then I think we start to get that piece around. Um, them enjoying that doing that work yeah that's important yeah it's it's probably as you've explained there Pete it's it's hiding it's hiding that word running Mm. um and putting some constraints within your practices that Mm. bring the theme out yeah and putting little challenges in about extra points um the players are going to do what you want them to do without actually realizing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you sort of hiding it, aren't you? You're hiding yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other good examples around practice design to sort of ignite that uh, engagement about working hard? Um, we've already touched on sort of different size areas, numbers of players. I suppose using the step principle comes in as a key yeah. theme within this speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else from you? I think um, really it's 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 just around your thought processes. I think uh, around um, around your how you're going to develop your, your your players and your physically. So I think that when you when you frame the idea of say we used to do like like this at one of my clubs was when we sent the players off to see the strength and conditioning coach we was we would frame that up as 
with only certain of you are going to go to the strength and conditioning coach because you're the ones who we see as high performers. So if you're going to get the benefit of the strength and conditioning, you've got to be one of the high performers. So you're going to stay here with me and you're just going to do football stuff. And so what used to happen was this. The players would see those players were going off. And it was quite funny because it was a bit, kind of a bit of a trick, really. So I'd get players coming up to me and they said, um, um, I, I want to do some stuff with the strength and conditioning coach. I said, no, 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 you, you've got to do technical with me. And they said, no, Pete, I like you and everything else, but I, I want to get better as a player. And I think I need to work hard, be, be able to work a bit harder and, you know, work on the sprinting and so on and so forth. I said, yeah, yeah, you'll get there in a, in a bit. And so eventually what happened, it was it became this thing where if you were the better players, you were going to do that, that extra work. Mm. So that um, you remember, you remember that, that, that old saying they say winners do more. But how do you how do you make winning um, doing more? What was was um, doing more look like? Was it mean? And so what we used to do is we we, we dressed it so that the, it was a it was an honour to go and do the extra work. It was a you know you you, you if you were one of the players you were going to get to go over there. So I would say a player would come oh yeah can I go over and I said I think you've done enough work in technical you're going to get a chance to go over with this, with, with the SNC coach so you go off like that. Now I know that's not always possible with with um, in every club, but if you do things and you have a, a program that is based around football, so even your, your 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 strength and conditioning program, your running program, it's with the ball. It's all ball work. Everything is with the ball, you know, uh, so that the players can see that it's related to the game. And yeah. I think that's what's important. You know, not running up hills. Uh, not running around the pitch 15 times and all that sort of stuff because you don't run around the pitch 15 times in the game. You know, you, you, know yeah. you might have to do some some work on your own because that's the other thing is getting players to do work on their own. Mm-hmm. Because if, as a grassroots coach, you've only got them for maybe maybe an hour and a half a week. Yeah. So how do you get them ready um, uh, to be physically prepared for 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 the Sunday or the Saturday? They might have to do some work themselves. How do we do that? Well, we, you know, we have to kind of think a bit more cleverly around that kind of stuff. And if you mm. know people who who do that, that type of work, tap into them. Now, it might not be for you, but, you know, it, at least if you have the knowledge and you tap into it, you've got a chance. So I think it's just about thinking differently, Gary, yeah. really. Yeah. You know? Pete, what would be your top tips from this, today's discussion around preparing more players for the demands of the game? I would say top tips, start early. Yeah. Okay. So be prepared to um, get the players to, to, to look at their their um, their ability to to um, to twist, turn, um, like playing tag games, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, to, to run quickly over short distances, that sort of stuff, you know, you know, um, uh, little fun games, little fun racing games, stuff like that. I think. The other thing is, if you can work with somebody else who's got some expertise, do it. You know, don't be frightened to have people who are in your club who are experts in not uh, uh, just in football. Have some people in there who might be have some other skills. That's that's, that's two. Um, and three, I think the biggest thing is to make sure it's fun. Yes, yeah. just so important. Make yeah. it fun. If it's not fun, the players aren't going to uh, aren't going to buy into it. That's been real, really insight, really insightful. Uh, many thanks, many thanks for sharing your thoughts 
this morning on the demands of the game, uh, physical demands of the game on from the sidelines. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll speak again soon. I hope so, Gary. Thank you very much, Pete. Cheers, mate. Take care.